Hey, Crosspoint family, we are uh, just so thrilled of what the Lord is doing in our church. And um, we want to answer some questions today that actually came in in the first part of our very uh, uh, long service that kind of lasted over three hours on Sunday. Um, and you may have come to, we may have been there for the whole thing. You may have been there for one or other parts of it. Um, but God did some pretty incredible things in our service together. And, uh, and yet still some questions came in and we're so glad they did. Before we get to that, just wanted to kind of throw it to Matt here. Matt, just give your thoughts on Sunday and, and just, uh, yeah, tell us what you're thinking. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sunday was really unique because, uh, we went into it, we had a plan, uh, I think a great plan and, I would say that what characterized Sunday, particularly for me, was there was a thousand points of obedience or a thousand choices that could result in obedience. And, and, and so really planning, but then really leaning into what the Holy Spirit's doing and what he's moving in and through us and, and what he's doing in the room. And it was really interesting to see on Sunday so many things that we have been talking about over the last year showcased in a sense not in a not in a performance way but showcased in the sense of god kind of putting an exclamation mark on that and so um i would encourage people if if you weren't there or if you were there for part of it both services were not the same there was different things that were happening in each service and if you missed the first service you missed some incredible testimony and I would say hardcore biblical challenges that some people in our church laid out because of what the Holy Spirit's doing in their lives. Second service, I think you missed out on on some um, great celebration um, and things that'll be super encouraging. And by saying missing out, I mean just you didn't get to experience it. So I would encourage you to go back and kind of, kind of, kind of even watch that on YouTube or Facebook or, or whatever. And uh, if I were to characterize Sunday, it was an incredible moment that God just wanted to bless this local family. And it was awesome. Yeah, he and he really did. And um, I feel like some stuff changed in me. And um, just worshiping with you all that way was for me something that's just going to be priceless for the rest of my life. And I, and I hope that uh, we get to continue to just experience the Lord's presence in many different ways in whichever way he wants us to. Um, Sunday, Matt was talking about the wear of discipleship and just the, the bottom line being that um, where do we make disciples? Is there a rule? Is there some place that I have to go and be to make disciples? And, and the answer for that, as with most things in our life, is what is the Holy Spirit telling you to do? Your assignment may be um, just in your neighborhood, as close as your neighborhood. Your assignment may be as far away as India. But no matter where your assignment is, it's, is the Lord telling you to? And if so, are you obeying? Because if my assignment is my neighborhood and I go off to India, while that's great, it's not obedience. And the Lord has an assignment for me right where I am. And if, and the Lord says, you're supposed to go to India, but I stay in my neighborhood again, you can reach people there, but that's not obedience. So, um, really the where of discipleship is throughout the entire earth. It's from neighbor to nations. But your specific assignment comes down to where is God calling you to be? So that's kind of a synopsis of, of what we were talking about on Sunday. But I want to jump into some questions that were there. And, and the first one is this. Is discipleship a part of the Holy Spirit inhabiting us to do God's work? Or is it instead a separate part of Christianity, such as a spiritual rhythm? 
Yeah, I, I would say it's as as human beings and in the in the culture and context that we've been raised, we are very compartmentalized people. And here's the thing that is hard is that God is not compartmentalized. Uh, so sp- a spiritual rhythm is not distinct and separate from um, the power of the Holy Spirit. Sunday in Acts 1.8, one of the things we talked about was Jesus says to his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power, you will be my witnesses. Um, prayer to God without the Holy Spirit? I, I don't know what that is. Uh, fasting without submission and surrender to the Holy Spirit? I don't know what that is, at least in reference to our relationship with God. So um, spiritual rhythms are not distinct or separate from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us all the time, and if we're not engaging him within those things, we're not engaging Jesus in all of those things, then then it seems that we're just doing activities and behaviors in our own strength for our own purposes. And so the, so the reality for me, as I, as I think a little bit about this, is that discipleship, as Jesus says, is empowered by the Holy Spirit, our surrender and our obedience to what he sets before us. Um, even just going back to Sunday, there was a point in the, the first service where I really knew God was telling me to go up on stage and, and say something. And it felt like it took me forever, but I almost didn't do it because it wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't something that I would come up with that would be a good idea. But I did it, and it was the best thing I did on Sunday. Um, that kind of decision can't be separate from the Holy Spirit. That has to be the Holy Spirit's involvement. Yeah, and I would just add to that, um, that when Jesus gave the command to go and make disciples, like he just, he gives this command, and it's a verb, and it's one word that we render in English as uh, make disciples. Um, And the amazing thing about that command that Jesus gave is that it is, something we do, a practice making disciples that has a result of something we become. So by making disciples, we are being a disciple. By being discipled by others, we are becoming a disciple. By the Holy Spirit living in us, he is making us a disciple. So it's both and. A discipleship is something that that the Holy Spirit does in us, but it's also something that has the fruit of obeying the command of Jesus to make other disciples. Um, another question um, that I think is a good question is how do I overcome my own selfishness to care enough about my neighbors to disciple them? And, and then another question that came in that I think we can kind of lump these two together is if we are to disciple our enemies, do I need to forgive them first? If so, how do I do this? So you've got these two roadblocks of either selfishness or unforgiveness. And what do I do to get past that roadblock? Yeah. And I think without, <laughs> without, um, pushing someone down the road of saying, well, you're a terrible person or shaming someone. Here's some of the, here's some of the just base realities of these things, selfishness and, um, and really unforgiveness. Um, and that could maybe, maybe, maybe we could put another word into that, like anger or bitterness. Um, both of those things, selfishness and unforgiveness are things that are contrary to God's character, which would define them as sin. Right. So what, is, what does Jesus say is a requirement to be a disciple? To follow him. And when I say be a disciple, I mean actually to follow Jesus, to be a Christ follower, to be a Christian. He says, deny yourself and take up your cross. That is the absolute opposite end of the spectrum than selfishness. 
Um, when you think about forgiveness and say, well, how, you know, how do I forgive my name? Jesus, Jesus not only modeled forgiveness to enemies, but he gave his life for his enemies. In fact, scripture says when we were still enemies of, of God, he sent his son and he died for our sins. So I think the first thing we have to do when we are kind of like, I, I, I want to overcome my selfishness to care enough about my neighbors, or um, do I need to forgive someone? I think the first thing we have to do is recognize that when we don't do those things, we're actually in sin. Um, it's clear, but it's hard. <laughs> I think scripture is really clear. So those, those are, so what does sin require? So I would say the first, the first thing that I would say to answering these questions about, well, you know, how do I forgive an enemy? Um, how do I overcome my selfishness? Well, first confess it to God as sin. Don't just say, I, I, you know, I, you know, I'm not really doing all the things I should. I'm okay, but, you know, confess it as sin. God, I'm sinning against you by not caring enough about my neighbors and caring too much about myself. I'm sinning against you, God, because I'm not forgiving my enemy. We've got to start there and be honest with what it is. Confession, repentance, and praying that God would change our hearts, that we would experience, that you would experience the love, overwhelming love and forgiveness and selfless love that God has for me, for you. Um, it's a journey. I think the thing is, though, that it's really clear, but it's also really hard. Yeah, and I, and I would say from my own um, experience, too, is that some of my selfishness, some of my unforgiveness comes from just a hard heart or just being sinful and uh, arrogant or whatever it might be. I would say this, though, that too, some of my selfishness and my unforgiveness comes from deep wounds and hurts. Mm -hmm. And the Lord is gracious and compassionate for those things, and there's still sin. But I have found that the time I spend with the Lord and that intimate time with Jesus accomplishes so many things. But two of the things it accomplishes is this. is One of them is that it accomplishes an exchange of character. That the character that I currently have, which is flawed, which may include unforgiveness, which may include selfishness, the more time I'm with Jesus, the more I become like him. The more I become like him, the more those things are shed off of my life. And so... I know we keep coming back to this in church services and in these Q&As, but there is no go around. There's no shortcut to what God does when we spend time with him. There is no program. There's no book you can read that can shortcut the intimate time with Jesus that will change everything. So I would encourage you with that. And this, another thing that happens when I spend time with the Lord is, is healing. Um, the more time I've spent with the Lord, the more I've been able to let go of things that have made me want to protect myself with selfishness, that have made me want to uh, keep an arm's distance from people with unforgiveness because they, they hurt me. As I onboard, as Jesus, as the Holy Spirit onboards the character of Jesus in my life, those things begin to uh, become less pronounced in the character of Jesus. I, I hope and I pray is becoming more, more pronounced. And let's remember that at no point in life are we dealing with only one thing. Um, we can be dealing with, the, we can be dealing with somebody who we we don't want to forgive because of something they've done, and at the same time, we are dealing with maybe someone who is is abusive to us, and and those things aren't just like unconnected or or separated. We we. We don't control what comes into our life, and we're never dealing with one thing at, at, at one time. And so we do have to recognize that sometimes we have less 
generosity or patience with ourselves than the Holy Spirit has. And we have to remember that. I don't know what's going on in your life. You don't know what's going on in my life. The Holy Spirit does. There are, again, we have to recognize unforgiveness and selfishness is sin, but the Holy Spirit is generous and gracious and patient and works with us as we work through that. So, so that's really good. Yeah. I think that's super important. Really good. Um, another question says, is discipleship a relationship that comes after someone has said yes to Jesus as savior and is witnessing what we do before a person has made that decision? And I, I maybe would reframe that. And that's a great question. I would maybe reframe that question as, um, so is, is our activity with a person that doesn't know Jesus called witnessing and is our activity with a person who does know Jesus called discipleship or disciple making? And I would just, uh, uh, you know, rather quick answer to that, say that uh, I think that's, you can look at it that way. We've often said evangelism and discipleship in the church over the years. Um, I, I would say I would probably think that the more biblical model for the whole thing is disciple making. So Jesus's command to go make disciples, that command was to make disciples of people who weren't currently disciples. That is what some would call witnessing or evangelism, but he calls it disciple making. Um, so I believe that with a person who doesn't know Jesus, we're making disciples. It is discipleship into a relationship with Jesus. And then after they know the Lord, look at what Jesus says. He says, um, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and teaching them, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. So the discipleship, the disciple making continues in helping people to live and walk and talk and think like Jesus. So I think the biblical model is that discipleship is the whole thing from before someone ever knows Jesus all the way through to the end of life. We are making disciples. I don't think it's wrong to call it witnessing. I think the Bible talks about witnessing. The Bible talks about evangelizing. And I think there are some nuances to um, how things work with someone who doesn't know the Lord as opposed to someone who does. Someone who doesn't know the Lord may not even believe that the Bible is true. Struggle with uh, what scripture says. And so that might be a thing we're talking about there. There's other things there. There might be nuances, but I think it's all disciple making. Yeah. I I think we have to, again, adjust our, our brains. We, <laughs> discipleship is everything. Again, we, we have to like remind ourselves of that. Um, discipleship is giving someone a reason to think more of Jesus. Um, so anytime you give someone a reason to think about Jesus and to think more of Jesus, then you are discipling. And it doesn't matter what their position is, doesn't matter what their beliefs are, if you are, if you are pushing someone to think more of Jesus, then you are discipling. And so that's why I think it's helpful for me to say, okay, so discipleship is the process of learning to speak like Jesus to walk like Jesus, to take on the practices of Jesus, and to think like Jesus. Can you help someone to start to think the way Jesus thinks? Who knows Jesus or doesn't know Jesus? You can. Yeah. Like, you, you, can, you can literally, like, I mean, that's, isn't that parenting? Isn't that parenting you model and you help them to think a certain way? I mean, it, it may not be towards Jesus, but, but you do that, whether or not, whether or not they, they, have, they are like verbally saying, yes, I, I understand everything you're saying, but you're doing that even before you, you know whether or not they understand you. So I think a lot of it is to just say, I am always, I'm always being discipled and I'm always discipling. It's just, it's the reality. If we, if, we change to, if we change and make that perspective shift, I think that 
will change a lot of other things. I think it's almost a domino effect. And so, so really it's how, if we could just, I agree with everything Travis said that the words we can all use, but the reality is, is that we are, we've been made alive in Christ and we are, rest of our lives, we are drawing other people to Christ, which is discipleship. And it doesn't matter who they are, what they believe, how far they are along in their journey, how far or close they are to Jesus. We're drawing them to Jesus, and that's discipleship. Yeah. Uh, the, the last question we want to address is, uh, um, I, I think this hits me in the heart. Uh, whoever asked this question, I'm so glad you did. Um, how can the most private and shyest of us be fervent witnesses? Um, I, I don't have a lot of experience with being shy or super private. Um, I tend to be uh, more outgoing. So I don't want to give a bunch of answers as if I know what it's like to, to, um, have that kind of personality. Um, so part of the answer is I don't know, but I do want to encourage your heart and, and maybe anyone else too, because there are things in each one of our lives that we could say, well, but this is my hurdle. This is the thing that gets in between me and doing what the Lord has said, or I'm wired this way. I think some people say I'm too shy. I'm too private. I think some people would say I've been too sinful. I think some people would say I've been too wounded. I think there's, there's a million different things that we could say, well, but this is how I am. And I don't know if I can be used. And I just want to take a moment to encourage the hearts of everyone in this family and say this, that you are made in the image of God. And there is a design in you that he made you the way you are. He didn't make a mistake with you. If you're incredibly shy or you're incredibly private and that's just your natural default, you know, think about it this way. What if your, your design is that way? even if there's like woundedness that has brought you there, but no matter what, what if your design is that way? Because there's a part of the population of this earth that we're supposed to bring the good news of Jesus to that couldn't receive it from someone who's an incredible extrovert. They would just be so turned off, so intimidated by that person. What if you are specially designed to bring the gospel of Jesus to that part of our world? What if you are God's sent one? to people who are like that or people who receive truth from someone who's a little bit more reserved, a little bit less out there. I just want to encourage you. And it could be that you're saying I, I have too much sin in my life or in my past. We all do. That is not a hurdle for you to obey the commands of Jesus. We are all broken. We are all sinful. And so that is a bridge in ways. Uh, your experience in the past, what Jesus has forgiven you of, what he's changing you in for you to be an incredibly special uh, delegate of Jesus to go to certain parts of our world, no matter what you think your hurdle is, maybe consider and go to prayer and ask the Holy Spirit, how does my hurdle, how does my roadblock actually become a strength to divert me to another place or another part of our society or culture where maybe those things I've experienced or those ways I am suits me perfectly to bring the gospel of Jesus to those people. So those are our questions for this week. We're so grateful you asked them and uh, keep them coming as it, you know, it, it, as we give more opportunities in the future to ask questions, keep them coming. We love the opportunity to share. We love the opportunity to clarify some things, to think about things we haven't thought yet because you're throwing out great questions. Um, we, uh, we're going to come together again this Sunday and we're going to hear from the word and we're going to worship together. So we look forward to seeing you there. We love you and we'll see you then.